All right, we're kicking off the year with a five-part series on the most important habits you need to develop as a leader. And this is the third episode in that series. So if you missed the last couple weeks, no big deal. Press pause right now and go check those episodes out. But on today's episode, we are talking about a key habit of any great leader, and that is how to make good decisions. Welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast from the Ramsey Network, where we help you learn the proven principles for winning as a business leader. I'm your host, George Camel, and each week here on the podcast, I sit down with some of the best leadership minds out there to help you grow yourself, your team, and your profits. In our first segment, we've got Suzanne Sims, one of our board members and a senior EVP here at Ramsey Solutions, and she's gonna walk us through how to create that habit of making decisions. Then in our second segment, we've got Manit Shohan, Food Network celebrity chef, restaurateur, and James Beard Award recipient is gonna be joining me to share how to take the right risk when making decisions. So joining me now, we've got Suzanne Sims, our SEVP of B2C. Could we add any more letters if we wanted to, Suzanne? I hope not. It's too it. many. Sadly, that's a lot shorter than your actual title because that's the acronym. That's right. But we you're, love acronyms. She's a big deal. That's all you guys need to know. I don't know about that. Well, you lead our entire consumer division, which is pretty much like most of what we do around here. You just if say you're that consumer. because it's your division. <laughs> well, and because you're my leader's 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 leader, uh, which is fun. So mm-hmm. a lot riding on this interview, Suzanne. <laughs> but we brought you on because we immediately thought of you when it came to someone who is decisive, who has the right wisdom and gut when it comes to making hard decisions. And so we wanted you to impart some wisdom to our listeners. I will do my best. <laughs> so uh, Dave Ramsey talks all the time about how a spineless leader is an oxymoron. You have to be decisive. You can't be passive when it comes to leadership. And when you think about leadership, it's mostly just making decisions all the time. It is. And that can be tiring. It can be exhausting. It can be difficult and challenging. And so what holds leaders back from making decisions? I think a lot of things hold leaders back. One of the main things would be insecurity. A lot of leaders have a hard time owning the role that they're in because they get caught up in where they know that they come short or fall short. I think a lot of leaders are held back by their need for too much consensus building. They want to make everyone happy, and they don't want people to dislike them. So they want to make sure everyone builds consensus with them before they make the final decision. I think that's two things that hold people back, and there are probably a lot of other things. Mm. So overcoming those, number one, you have to not try to make everyone happy. And you have to be more secure in your decision-making. Does that improve as you're a leader for a longer period of time? Absolutely. Yeah, I think the more, the longer you are in a leadership role, the more security you find. I think there are a lot of things you can do to build that security and to stop being so afraid of hurting people's feelings because you will never make everyone happy. But you hear me talk a lot about relational relational leadership, relationship building. The more you focus on that, the deeper relationship you have with everyone that you're working with on your team, the easier it is to make a decision because they know fundamentally where your heart is and that you care about them. And it just kind of takes away that whole thing around, oh, well, their feelings are hurt and they don't feel seen or heard and things like that. Yeah, when Dave talks about delegation, he says you have to trust their integrity and their competency. And a lot of that stems into decision-making. If I can trust your integrity, your competency, then I trust the reason and the heart behind the decision that Suzanne made, even if I don't agree with it. Right. And that's a, that's a tough place to get to. That takes time to build that kind of relationship. Yeah. Oh, that is so powerful because 
we talk a lot about being able to disagree and commit. And that's where that, that comes out of that trust that's built. Because if I fundamentally trust your competency as my leader, trust your, your heart and what your motives are, then I can also accept you're a human being and you're going to make mistakes and I won't always disagree with things, but I can commit to being under your leadership and being on your team. Mm, that's good. So let's talk about making good decisions. We at Ramsey, we make them based on principles and values, which is a super helpful filter. So what does that look like in our day-to-day? Um, several years ago, our operating board spent some time and we kind of we used past decisions that we had made over the years to come up with a list of 10 basically guiding principles that we call the Ramsey way of making business and leadership decisions. And we've put those in a document. They're very simple and not every company would want this same list. But for us, this is the list that we use to guide us. And they don't apply to every single thing, every time, every nuance. But these 10 things, which... The very first thing is we pray. So first and foremost, as leaders in this organization, we're committed to prayer. That doesn't mean we stop and have a prayer service before we make every decision, right? But that means in the morning, my first priority is being in the word and having some time of prayer and having a posture uh, as a leader and as a person just in life of being a prayerful person and seeking God. And so as I walk throughout my day and have to make decisions, like, that's already in place. And um, God can impart wisdom and discernment into my life because of that, that helps me make hopefully the right decisions most of the time. Yeah, that's a good start, a good way to center you to go, is this just my own emotion and ego or is this really the best thing to do? Yeah. So beyond the principles, we also talk about seeking counsel. A lot of leaders feel like they have to do it alone. It's all on them. How do you go about that process, especially if you may not have a leadership team around you? Yeah, I. that's a big one for me. I hate making decisions by myself. And sometimes I have to, but I always tell other leaders like, you need a posse. And I have multiple layers to my posse, right? Like I've got a pretty wide posse that consists of quite a few people that have different skills than I do, different strengths than I do, and they kind of balance me out. And then I have like a core, core, core posse that I make very few decisions without even just a quick text to them or a quick email. And I'm not talking about simple day-to-day, just in the flow of things. I'm talking about bigger decisions that still can come up day-to-day, but like they have a lot broader implications. And so to me, there's wisdom in that. That's not an insecurity thing. It's being wise and it's seeking out the wisdom of people who think different than you and have different skill sets and different strengths because again, that balances you out. And you're using a lot of discernment there to go, okay, I'm gonna go to this person because I trust their specific experience, skills, wisdom in yeah, this area. Yeah, like I tend to be very emotionally charged. That's how I live my life. That's how- We call it passion. <laughs> Okay, that's great. But the people that work closely with me know it's emotionally charged. And so that can be good and it can be bad. And I have to be self-aware and know that about myself so that a lot of times I can seek counsel and wisdom from people who are a lot more logic-based. And sometimes they, they seek for a lot more clarity than I personally need. But there's a really good balance in the middle there if we just talk through something even quickly. Mm. So we also talk about kind of gathering options. And usually if you're not ready to make a decision, it's because you don't feel like there's enough options on the table. People feel like they get back into a corner and it's either A or B. How do you go about that process? 
Well, I think it depends on the situation, but I also want to caution that you don't need too many options. Now, personally, the way I'm wired, I don't need a lot of options. Uh, I am a high D on the disc, and so I am more decisive by nature. Um, And I don't personally require a ton of data and a ton of information for me to feel good about a decision. That's not always a good thing, but that's just how I'm personally wired. But Dave has taught us really well over the years that if we're coming to present a new idea, something new that we want to take into the marketplace, we don't ever bring him one option. We bring him at least two, preferably three. And then we always tell him of these three options, which we use a team to come up with. That's not just me in a vacuum figuring that out. But of these three options, Dave, we like option B. And here's why. And so not only do you bring options to the table, but you need to be willing to say, this is the one I like, and Mm. this is why I like it the most. That's really good. And when it comes to making those decisions, we're always scared about making the wrong one. And we talk about kind of walking through the worst case scenario. If we make this decision, is it reversible? Is it irreversible? How does that help to walk through that worst case scenario? Oh, that's so smart to do. One of our principles on our list of 10 is that we do consider unintended consequences. Because something can sound right or feel right in the moment. Sometimes if it's, again, emotionally charged just as a result of what it is. But if you don't stop and think through the worst case scenario a year from now because of this decision or unintended consequences that could happen to team members as a result, which if you just literally give it a minute and think about it, especially like in a brainstorm type format with with a team, even if it's a small team, it just helps you process the information so that when you make the decision, you're more well-informed. Mm. Well, and decisions usually lead to some form of change, which is uncomfortable for a lot of people. And so understanding the the effect that it will have as it trickles down to the team and what workload this creates and what's already on their plate, you have to be thinking about that as a leader. Well, I'm glad you said that because what that requires you to end up doing is communicating better about the decision. The time you take to think through unintended consequences or, again, worst-case scenario— that will lead you to have a much better communication plan about whatever the decision is and the changes that will occur as a result of it. That's big. And communicating is, it feels like 90% of a decision is communicating that decision over and over Yes. so that there's a lot of clarity with the team and no one's upset. We're not out here to just upset the team. That's not the goal. Oh, and, and we always tell people like, about the time you've said it so many times that you're tired of hearing yourself say it, say it, You've said it probably almost enough times. Like, you can't over-communicate big decisions, big changes. You can't. Mm. Even if you're tired of hearing yourself say it, the team's just now walking into it, and it's just now getting ingrained in them. So the themes I'm hearing here when it comes to getting better at decision-making is having those principles in place and making sure you have the right discernment, the people around you to then make that decision, and then communicating that decision to the team with a lot of clarity. That is the right way to go about it. But for people like me, I'm lower on the D, on the disc. When it comes to that decisiveness, I just tend to want to make sure I want everyone to be happy. And so talk to that person out there who wants to get better at this. They want to build that habit of decision-making, but they're not sure where to get started. I think... I'm so I'm so different from you in that regard. It's hard to to make it a simple like here's where shoes. to start. But just make some decisions that feel like they have that feel like they'd be non-fatal, right? 
like this decision does have implications, but they're not so severe that worst case scenario, quickly think about it. What is what is the worst thing that could happen as a result of me making this decision? Okay, I can live with that. That's not the end of the world. That's not a fatal error or a fatal flaw. So like, I'm just going to go and make this decision. Just do that once a day <laughs> if you can and then continue doing that until it becomes a habit and it's something that you just get accustomed to doing and you become comfortable with the discomfort of those implications and they can get larger and have more more implications to them. Well, this is one of those habits that if you're not great at this, it's going to impact your businesses here. So I really hope people take this to heart and take the steps necessary to get better at the habit of decision-making. Suzanne, you were the right person for this job. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor, always. Always love hanging out, Suzanne. Always great wisdom to glean from her. All right, moving on. Our next guest, Manit Shohan, is going to be joining us for Entree Leadership Summit 2023. So if you want to hear her alongside the rest of our incredible lineup, speakers like Dr. Jordan Peterson, Malcolm Gladwell, Patrick Lencioni, Dave Ramsey, and so many more, then you've got to get your tickets now. Our Platinum Preferred tickets are already sold out. The remaining tickets are moving fast. And with this lineup, this event will sell out. So do not wait. It's all happening in Nashville, Tennessee, May 30th through June 2nd. You can go to entreleadership.com slash summit to secure your spot. All right, coming up next, Manit Shohan on how to take the right risks when making decisions. Hey, your small business has a lot of the same challenges that mega corporations do, but without a huge finance team to solve them. I mean, who has time to juggle different apps and programs to manage your cash flow? Well, that's where Found comes in. It's business banking plus easy-to-use financial tools, all to simplify small business finances. Found has all the features you want in a business bank account and none of the stuff you don't. No minimum balance, no opening deposit, and no hidden fees. You can sign up for Found in just minutes. It's easy to access on desktop or mobile, and you can customize your account to organize and manage your funds. Plus, you can create and send free invoices right from the app so you can get paid quickly and easily. It's time to move on to better business banking, designed to help small business owners succeed. It's time for Found. Get started today for free at found.com slash entree. That's found.com slash entree. Found is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services are provided by Piermont Bank, member FDIC. All right, we're back with a very special guest, Manit Chohan, Food Network celebrity chef, restaurateur, and James Beard Award recipient. And she's going to be joining us at Entree Leadership Summit this year. Manit, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So excited to be here. So I have to ask, every celebrity chef, I'm going, do they cook at home? How often are you cooking at home? Every day that I'm home. Wow. But I use it as content for Instagram. So whatever I'm making for dinner, I record it and then put it as reels the next day. And that's what I do. So it's like everybody is, you've got so much content. I'm like, no, that's just dinner. That's amazing. Yes. We're not doing this separately. <laughs> nope. That's the influencer lifestyle. You, you were doing it before it was cool. Exactly. Well, we are so honored to have you at Summit this year and on the podcast today. Thank you. And at Summit, you're going to be talking about this idea of nothing ventured, nothing gained. What does that mean to you and your story? You know, it's so interesting. I... Um you know, grew up in India. I was born in India, grew up in India, did my undergrad in India. And I came to the United States in 1998. 
that was the time that emails had just started. Oh, wow. right. So my first email that I started is a Hotmail account, which I'll never let go. And the signature I wrote, I remember sitting in the computer lab and I just wrote the signature, nothing ventured, nothing gained. That signature has been with me till date. And I think it'll be with me forever. And the reason why I did that was because each and everything that I have done in my life, I've had the philosophy of jump in the deep end and learn how to swim. Until the time you do not take the opportunities that come your way, or even things that might not look like opportunities, but you make them opportunities for yourself, you are not going to succeed. Mm. So this has been a mantra so close to my heart. And that's how I live life. That's how I've done everything, taken risks, traveled the road less traveled by. And it has worked for me. Mm. Well, risk-taking is exactly what we're talking about today. And a lot of you know entrepreneurship, and especially in your industry, It's just a risky venture to jump into business and then mix that with the food world and restaurant tourism. So talk to me about your journey from India all the way to Iron Chef. What kind of risks did you have to take? Well, the first, the biggest risk was to leave uh, India, right? You you're born there, you've grown up over there, there is a certain level of comfort in how you live life, right? I mean, I remember when I first came to America, I thought I knew everything about America because I grew up reading Archie comics, right? That's all you need. That's all I need. And I had seen coming to America. I'm like, that's what it's all about. But it's a completely different uh, mindset. I mean, it took me, I remember all my classmates used to be laughing about SNL. I just didn't get the humor. I mean, I've barely started getting it right now. But it there was... There isn't much to be had lately. <laughs> that is true. But but to me, I think that was the biggest risk. The biggest risk also to go to the CIA, which is the Culinary Institute of America, before you think I'm anything cooler than a chef. To go to that institute, I mean, it is... I took loans. Uh, that was a big risk to take because I had to make sure that I could pay back those loans. Right after graduation, um, I had come on a student visa. So all the places where I wanted to work would not process my paperwork. So I took the risk of working at an Indian restaurant, which is the last thing I wanted to do because I was trying to be a baking and a pastry chef. But that was a great opportunity because that showed me the dismal state of Indian food in this country. And then... We can uh, improve on Oh, yes, absolutely. And then, you know, moving to Chicago and just walking into a restaurant asking, can I just starge? That was a risk to saying yes to being an executive chef of, you know, Indian and Latin fusion restaurant to, you know, getting on TV, like getting the opportunity of being asked to be on Iron Chef against Morimoto. I mean, he started his career the year I was born. Like no the pressure. OG, I know. I, I always say I came a respectable second among two people, better than saying that I lost. But yeah, I think uh, I think it is. If you are too cautious about, if you overthink each and every step that you take, you will convince yourself not to take those steps. Mm. Now, when you're choosing your career, especially coming from India, is there a lot of pressure from family where they were going, you're going to be a chef? Like, I, 
is your, was your mom like, I'm a chef. We're not going to, that's not a career path. Was that hard at first to not choose a more traditional career? Well, I grew up in a small community where they were professionals. My dad was an engineer, my mom, principal of a school. So all my friends were starting to be doctor or engineer. And if you're really thinking outside the box, maybe an accountant. And over here, I wanted to be a chef. So in terms of the naysayers, my family was never the naysayer. And that's why I'm sitting over here because they're like, you want to do it? The only advice we'll give you is be the best at what you're doing. Mm. Do whatever you want, right? Just mediocrity has no place in your life. So just make sure you're the best at it. The naysayers were more the neighbors and the, you know, uncalled for advice givers. They were more of the naysayers, but they have never, you know influenced any of my decisions. Yeah. Well, it, it worked out for you. So we love that. We love Not that story. Quit. So you talked about saying yes to opportunities early on that kind of set you on this journey. How do you discern what the right opportunities are along the way? Because you could have showed up to any restaurant and said, hey, I want to work here. Can you give me a start? What made you choose this specific one? Was it, hey, anyone who says yes, I'm just jumping on that? I think one of the biggest reasons of me doing what I'm doing is because I am passionate about food. And it's not the food aspect of this entire industry that I'm passionate about. It's taken me time to realize what really is my passion. That is that the food is the conductor that brings the world together. Mm. And to me, I am a, I'm a people's person. So when I can connect with people, to me, that is very, very powerful and very strong. So that has been my biggest guiding factor is passion, right? Does passion guide me? And if it does, then you will get 500% of me, right? You're not going to... Um, then I don't treat it as a job. And I think those are how I've made my decisions. I wish there was a tangible answer to that. But to me, it is, I feel it. I'm passionate about it. I know I'm going to give it my, you know, best. And that's how I go down that path. Mm. So it's a lot of trusting that gut and saying, yes. my heart says this is the path and you feel that. And a lot of entrepreneurs, they know exactly that feeling. It's what led them to where they are today, probably listening to this podcast going, yes, I know that feeling. Yes. And also, I think the important part is that once you've taken that path, that's it. You've taken the path. So there is no opportunity or there's no time for regrets because it's up to you now to make the best of that situation or that opportunity that you've created for yourself. Mm -hmm. And at times it might be, you know, disillusioning that, oh, it's not going the way I wanted it. Well, stand back, look at the situation and then make sure it goes the way you want it. As simple as that. Well, you are clearly a, a glass half full kind of woman here. So talk to me, to, talk to the people who may not see things that way. They take the risk. It didn't pan out. Did that ever happen for you where there was this moment of, oh gosh, what did I just do? You know, uh, you said glass half full. I never, I am the kind of person that glass is always full because yeah, if, if it's got half water, it does have half air in it, right? So to me, it's always full. Mm. And so many times they have been, you know, things that have come up that have not gone our way. One of the biggest example is when we opened Chohan Ale and Masala House. The idea was uh, we were living in uh, New York. At that time, we thought we were in the food mecca of the world. Uh, we 
got an opportunity to open something in Nashville. We were like, great, we'll open it. And then we'll commute from New York. The six-month project took two years. Along the way, we found out we were expecting baby number two. Baby number two was due in March, and we were opening the restaurant in November, so everything was great. We were going to open the restaurant, and then I would go back in January, have the baby, and commute. Well, very simple. Our son had different ideas. He decided to be born the day we opened the restaurant at 5 o'clock in the morning. He was preemie three months early and he was in the NICU for three months and he made our decision of moving to Nashville. We are like, if he's so adamant in being a Nashvillian, who are we to stop it? And that's what we did. We went back to New York, wrapped up our house, moved over here and named our son Karma because, you know, you need to have some sense of humor. He was in the NICU for three months and we are like, okay, now we are in Nashville. How do we make the best of this move over here? And that's what we did. Like, you know, open restaurants, breweries. It's natural as we'd good to us. Yeah. Well, so I love that mentality of just instead of going, oh, gosh, I'm going to wallow in this decision that we made. I wish I could go back in time and do it differently. Instead, you go, how can we make the best of this? And what is the opportunity here now? And what does this mean for the future? And you do it with a smile and you get up every day and you fight again and again. And that's being an entrepreneur. That is. That's how you survive it, at least. That is. And it's also that creativity that is constantly... To be an entrepreneur, I do think creativity is very important Mm. because you have to be ready for any situation and be ready to pivot. And and that's what it's all about. And we found that out the hard way during the pandemic. Every single business... Dave Ramsey was sick of the word pivot. Pivot. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, Unprecedented. Everything was unprecedented. And is anything precedented anymore? We just don't know. (laughs) No idea. (laughs) So we talk about saying yes to a lot. As you grow, as you become more successful, you have to start saying no to some things. How do you discern between the yeses and the noes? I I let my agent deal with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that. You know what? To me, again... I feel very fortunate that I'm at that stage where things that I'm passionate about, I can say yes to. I don't have to say yes to things that I need. So it comes to that stage where, you know, where you hear about a cause and you're passionate about it and you're like, absolutely, be it, you know. Dancing in front of people, which is, I, I did it for Safe Haven, which is... Wouldn't recommend is that. Is there video footage? Can of we course find this is. on YouTube? Of Perfect. course. Of course there is. There is always evidence of me making a fool of myself. But that's that's what it's all about. I, I do think that the important thing is to just to just believe in yourself. If you believe that you're going to go on the floor and, and you know, entertain people and raise money while you're at it, why not? So, so that's why. I do say no when I start thinking that, uh, that people don't appreciate me or uh, it's, they're just calling me for the heck of it. And then I'm like, no, you know, there has to be that connection. There it has, has to, to have be. the right motive, connection, relationship. Yes. And you have to be valued for what you're yes. bringing to the table. Absolutely. Here's a math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so you and your team need to streamline time-consuming tasks to focus on the activities that make money. Smart businesses are realizing that to reduce headaches as they scale, they need NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform. With NetSuite, you can reduce IT costs because it's cloud-based. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one source of truth. It's a big deal. And you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, saving time and cutting manual tasks and errors. So join the more than 37,000 smart companies like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and are boosting their efficiency with NetSuite. And right now you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to drive the right behaviors for your business absolutely free at NetSuite.com slash Ramsey. That's NetSuite.com slash Ramsey to get your own KPI checklist. Early on, you might say yes to a lot more than you do today. Now, you said yes to this podcast. You're a longtime friend of ours now. You're going to be at Entree Leadership Summit. So I'm guessing that's why you said yes to this and not the podcast down the street. Well, I said yes to this because you guys have always been so kind to me. Mm. And that is, it is, as I keep on saying, it's all about connections, right? It's all about connections. You know, the Ramsey family has always been very, very kind to me. So it's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you. So... You worked really hard to achieve all the success. People might say, oh, look, Manit's an overnight success. What do you say to those people who see the risks that you took? They see all this stuff and they go, yeah, but it worked out. It just worked out for her. The first thing I'll say is what is success, right? What is success to me might be completely different to what is success to them. Overnight, yes, if you can say that it's 46 years in the making and if 46 years makes it as overnight, yes, then, then I am an overnight. time. Absolutely. Right. But you know what it is? I think we spend a lot of time comparing ourselves to others. I think instead of comparing ourselves to others, let's just see others and get inspired by them and make our lives better. Mm, I love that. So... What last bit of wisdom would you leave those entrepreneurs who are going, all right, Mani, I know I got to take some risks this year in business. It's scary. There could be zeros on the end. Uh, there could be people affected by this on our team. What wisdom would you give to those entrepreneurs? I think one of the biggest wisdom I can give anybody is do your homework, right? When I say that I jump in the deep end, I am not saying that I am jumping without a floaty or without an exit plan, right? You've got to do your homework. You cannot make decisions which are, you know, passion is very important, but there has to be something which is under that. It's like a building, right? If you're making a really st a strong building, you need to have a strong foundation. That homework is your foundation. Only then the building that you're building on top of it is going to be steady. So if you are thinking, if you're passionate about something and thinking of, you know, following that idea or that career path or that endeavor uh, business, do your homework. Figure out, you know, why you'll be a success and then go after it. And never in your mind, don't start off a project thinking, what if it doesn't work? Right? You have to just think about when it works. Mm. And it's it's all about how you train your mind. Yeah, and when I think about some of the, the greatest companies, the greatest business owners, entrepreneurs, they never have that mentality. They just go, I can't help but do this thing regardless of whether it works or not. And that is the true sign that you are meant to be an entrepreneur. If you go in going, I don't know if it's going to work, then go, go be an accountant or whatever you want to be that has safety in it. 
But when it comes to risk, you have to take calculated risks. And that, that's when it comes to doing your homework. And it sounds like we talk here about having guiding principles, right. guide your business. That's the foundation you're talking about. Absolutely. Do you have any guiding principles that you maybe has, have developed over the years? Maybe I should write them down. But I think one of my biggest has been that don't do anything that you cannot look at yourself in the mirror after that, mm. right? Because in the end of the day, you still need to feel good about each and every step that you have taken. And you need to not let go of your values and ethics while you're trying to build a business because it takes a toll on you as a person. And if that creeps in, then it will affect whatever you're doing. Oh, yeah. It'll just suck the soul out of you if you start making decisions like that. Yeah. And another principle you mentioned earlier that I think is so true about you is just excellence. Whatever you do, you're going to do it with excellence, with all of your might. And that is something that is actually countercultural. It's rare in today's culture to find companies that are really seeking that out every day at all costs. That is so true. It mm. is. And it's interesting, excellence or giving your best, again, it boils down to definition of it, right? And to me, I, I push myself to the level where I'm like, this is it. I've given everything that I've got to this. Now, if it works, great. If it doesn't, I am not walking away with the regret that, what if I had just given it a little bit more? Mm. I think that that makes me sleep easier at night. Yes. And there's inherent risks to even shooting for that excellence because it takes more time. You're leaving it all on the dance floor. Things can still go wrong. There's a lot of risk in that, but seeking that out is so worth it as a business owner. And it's one of the main reasons you are where you are today. It's thank been amazing you. to see. But thank you. That's very kind of you. Well, we are honored to have you. Of course, people can check out your cookbook. They can see you on Food Network. And of course, they've seen you on this podcast. So it's been so fun talking with you, hearing your story. Can't wait to have you at our Entree Leadership Summit event. I so, I so look forward to it. Thank you so much. That was something special. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Like I mentioned, Manit will be at Entree Leadership Summit alongside an incredible lineup. Uh, you can go to entreeleadership.com slash summit to secure your spot, see her in person before they sell out. And a reminder, a few weeks ago, we announced that Dave Ramsey is going to be taking over as host of this podcast in just a few weeks, and he's gonna be taking your calls. So if you have a leadership or business question for Dave, we wanna hear about it. You can leave us a voicemail with your question at 8 844-944-1070. All right, if you enjoyed today's episode of the show, be sure to follow, subscribe, and give us a five-star review wherever you're listening. And share this episode with a friend, with your team, on social media, with someone who needs to hear this message. You can also follow us on social media at Entree Leadership. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to check out some of the other great shows on the Ramsey Network, like The Fine Print. All right, until next time, leaders, keep learning and keep leading.